podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. On today's episode of the 1012 Podcast, we have Trace from Sons of UCF, Sam from Scott and Holman, Justin from Viva the Cats, and Garrett from Give Him Hell Brigham. We are welcoming the four new schools to the Big 12. We have a live show on YouTube. You can check out the audio coming up here in just a minute. Hey there, folks. This is Justin Hiles of the Viva the Cats podcast, which is now proudly presented by the Big 12's premier podcasting group, the 1012 Network. My co-host Steve and I cover all the ins and outs of Cincinnati football and basketball, for better or for worse. We release a new episode every single week, sometimes with guests, sometimes it's just the two of us kicking back talking Bearcats. So, if you like raw emotion and heavy recency bias, we are definitely victims of that. It clouds our conscious, and it should cloud yours too. We also have an every once in a while Twitter Spaces post-game review on our page at Pod on Twitter, where we invite all of our friends and enemies to discuss everything that we just witnessed minutes prior. If you like your podcast with a laid-back environment, way too serious about stupid ideas, the deepest of stat pools, or just straight-up white noise, then you've come to your one-stop shop for everything Bearcats. Viva La Cats! If you are a Texas, TCU, Texas Tech, or Oklahoma State fan, make sure you are outfitted for the college football season with Last Stand Hats. They have fantastic, original, unique hat designs for your school, and they are some of the absolute best you're going to find. So, outfit your head for the season with Last Stand Hats. Go to laststandhats.com. Use the promo code NETWORK12. That gets you 10% off your order. they got more than hats. They've got polos. They've got tees. They've got other things as well. But Last Stand Hats is one of my favorite stores to go to for hats and my collection continues to grow so again texas texas tech tcu oklahoma state fans they've got a hat for you if you're a big 12 fan of another school that's not there let them know you want something on their site laststandhats.com go shop now network 12 for 10 percent off your order And we are live. Welcome to the 10-12 podcast, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference Plus, and especially tonight, BYU, Cincinnati, Houston. Uh, we got the playback coming from the YouTube oh, channel. So great start. No. Out of- <laughs> <laughs> Not, nothing worse than hearing the sound of your own it's voice. Like a half, a half second after you show. said it. It's like, ooh, I sound yeah. like that. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Uh, we are here. Tonight, because nobody wants to get together on Saturday to do a live podcast, uh, even though July 1 is the date that we can stop saying plus 14, just say covering all 14 teams in the Big 12 Conference at BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF become official members of the Big 12. We're waiting two years for this. I know that fans from those four schools have been waiting two full years for this. Honestly, they've all been waiting far longer than that. So to do this right, it only seemed appropriate since we have worked very hard to find four fantastic podcasts to bring into the network, to represent those four programs, to have hosts from those shows join us tonight for a live show, or if you're listening uh, to, as a podcast form later. Uh, I have four fantastic guests to help kind of, let's introduce the school. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's just get excited and celebrate this momentous period for the Big 12 Conference. Uh, we'll go in order here. First up, Trace Trilco. Trace of Sons of UCF. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you very much. Glad to be a part of it. Absolutely. Sam from Scott and Holman Podcast. Joining us today, it's P-A-W-D-A-C-S-T. Don't, don't get confused. Very tricky, very tricky. That, yeah. No, very excited to be on. This is like 22 months uh, in the making. Kind of, kind of a unique lead time uh, for this, but obviously plenty of ex- time for excitement to build and uh, excited to be here and obviously excited for July 1st uh, here just on the horizon. Yeah, just Saturday. Saturday morning is going to be fun. I cannot wait. Uh, Justin Hiles of Viva the Pod, uh, Viva the Cats podcast, <laughs> joining us today. <sighs> Look, I get it. It's fun. Uh, Justin, how are you, man? Doing good. You know, actually, this is a little tidbit that you get to start the show off with. Uh, so Saturday, July first. We all get to be part of the Big 12. July 1st is also my birthday. So this is the birthday present that I've been looking forward to for almost a calendar year. Uh, so that's going to be a nice little treat. Well, happy, birthday. Nice. happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> it's a lot more exciting than when the July 1st when the Big East died. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that one. Yeah. 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 
Every birthday can't be a winner. And <laughs> representing BYU from Hell Brigham, uh, Garrett McClintock. Garrett, welcome, sir. Welcome, welcome. It is, yeah, it has definitely been a long time coming. I think, well, for everyone except for UCF, you guys, you've been on a very short timeline. Everyone else, oh, we've yeah. had, <laughs> you, you were on the express, the express route, which very luckily for your fandom. I feel like that's a good place to start here is this is unusual because there has been this two year waiting period and building period and time for these schools to get ready. But I mean, every single one of these programs has been itching, scratching, building, trying to get into a power five program for far more than just the last two years. And, and the joke is, I mean, it's funny because UCF hasn't even been around that long, but this still feels like something that all four of these programs have been trying to do for a very, very long time. It's finally happening and so i'm just i'm curious i feel like every fan base has a similar feeling but also different feelings and so i'm curious from you guys and and trace we'll start with you since ucf is i don't know if it's the baby of the programs that we're talking about here but i mean how are ucf fans just feeling about this moment on saturday that's coming up a lot of excitement Uh, and you're talking about the history of ucf the university itself that just celebrated its 60th year of existence football started as division three in 1979 just 44 years ago and then ucf has made that jump year after year in different conferences and different divisions and now to see it culminate in joining the big 12 saturday july 1st it's been a long time coming but when you look at just the history of college football not that long for UCF to be a player at this level. I just want to know, how does it feel, you know, after you kind of both came up to FBS at the same time that USF kind of fell bass backwards, one might say, into the Big East and was in an AQ conference and thought that they were like so much better than you that now you have the last laugh. What is that? Uh, that's got to feel good. Who? Uh, Yeah, uh, we've enjoyed ourselves uh, at their expense, uh, especially now since uh, we've sort of handed the baton to uh, Florida Atlantic that has moved up to uh, uh, to the American and their fan base is already razzing uh, the cows uh, for their geographically challenged uh, moniker and, of course, their uh, their lack of football success uh, amongst other sports. Uh, So both happy for UCF. Uh, and there is a little satisfaction that comes in seeing our once rival uh, deposed. The ultimate war on I-4 victory claimed by UCF. Uh, look, Houston, I think ever since the Southwest Conference fell apart, has been pining away, hoping to get this opportunity to finally get back with their Texas brethren, with the TCUs and the Baylors and the Texas Techs and the Texas ever since they were left out. Uh, Sam, I mean, I... We know that Houston has been building for quite some time for this very moment. The Houston fan base jokes are plentiful. They're not going to go away until Houston does something to uh, to make them stop. And even then, let's be honest, like the jokes will keep coming. But like, how are Houston fans actually feeling right now? I mean, I think I think like all the fan bases here, Houston fans are very excited. And I would say the unique angle on it, because I think all four of the new incoming schools, UH included, have their own kind of unique this is why this is so meaningful for this program to join this league right now. But I mean, it it just finally after 20 something years of kind of being in the wilderness since the Southwest conference dissolved, I I think being finally in a league that's a little more geographically, I think appropriate. I I always tell people it's a weird, weird kind of parallel. And I don't think it's a perfect one, but when UConn left the American three or four years ago, I mean, there, there were a lot of jokes and believe me, I, I made plenty of them at, at their expense, but Something they said that really rang true for me is for that fan base, it was a chance to play in a league with at least some teams that they were going to regularly interact with fans with. You're going to more likely, if you're a UConn fan, run into a Providence or a St. John's fan. Not going to, again, totally go that that direction, but I I would say there's something comparable there for U of H because it's not for lack of good programs. I mean, two of the ones coming in, UCF and Cincinnati have had a ton of success in in a number of sports recently, but I mean, and it works vice versa. There's not a great chance a UCF fan is going to run into a Houston fan there day to day. Ditto for Cincinnati. So it's a chance, but you know, Cougar fans, good chance you have a family member or a friend that went to Texas tech that had, you know, went to TCU, went to Baylor. You're going to have an actual chance to, I guess, have games that have that juice that for the previous two leagues, I would say, especially the American that did provide U of H a good point at that time. You just didn't really have that. So I think having a lot more, 
I guess, in terms of geographically appropriate games, games that will give the casual fan a little more juice. And like you said, the, the fan base jokes, attendance jokes will never, ever go away. And I have made my peace with that on this planet in this life. <laughs> but you are going to get the sidewalk casual fan much more excited for a game against Tech or Baylor or TCU, even Oklahoma State, than you are East Carolina or South Florida or Temple. That's just the facts. You should be a fan of the team regardless of who they're playing, but the facts remain. There's always going to be a segment of the fan base that is going to be drawn in by some of the league, and I think this solves part of that problem. I think it's up to U of H to solve the greater underlying problems as to why the attendance is a little hit or miss and why outside of a dedicated few, like the fan base can be quite variable in terms of actually putting their butts in seats. Uh, I've got great questions from Dolly Drama or comment from Dolly Drama about <laughs> the gardener, which is great. Uh, Dolly Drama, of course, av- uh, avid UCF fan and uh, sons of UCF live commentator, Bob Trollsby. <laughs> uh, we will ask your question here in a bit. Justin, yeah. Look, Cincinnati feels the least Big 12 of the schools joining, and I don't mean that as a bad thing. It's just like Houston, it makes sense geographically. It fits UCF, I think, again, um, joining some of the most online fan bases in the country in Big 12 fans. Now you're bringing in uh, UCS fan base, which it's it's a, it's a an even fight. Let's just call it that between uh, Kansas State and Texas Tech and, and Iowa State and UCF. And then Cincinnati comes in, and I don't want to say Cincinnati's been the quietest, but it certainly feels like the quietest of the schools as far as building the anticipation publicly to out, people outside of Cincinnati as, as as this July 1st day comes. So, like, what is the Cincinnati mindset about this other than just, like, we're excited to be in a Power 5? I'm going to answer that really quickly. It's been a long time coming. And I, I think that that is sort of the mindset here where – everybody was really jazzed about this in that whole, like we're joining the big 12. We're a part of the big 12 happened when the announcement that we were going to be joining the big 12 July 1st, 2023 happened. So take all these months back. And I think a lot of that shine, like, of course we're very excited. I think we'll get a little bit more jazz too. Once, you know, comes uh, August, September, once the football season starts coming around. But I think that's the biggest thing to highlight on that side is like, Honestly, we've been in this mindset for so long that we're going to be in the Big 12. We're going to be in the Big 12. 2016 came around. You can ask who you want about that. That was a whole uh, crapshoot of itself. Uh, we were basically feeling like we were guaranteed to be in. Everything was there. We had the there. You'll find some really old <laughs> memes of the rollouts behind that had Cincinnati Big 12 logos on it. And it was all there. And like, like I said, I, I feel like this is something that we've just sort of been uh, kind of under the expectation of is that this is going to happen for a long time. So once we finally got the good news last year, all of it kind of came together to where I think that's the biggest point of celebration was then. And now a lot of that I think has been overshadowed too, by the fact that we've signed the Nike, you know, Jordan side of this apparel deal that we can actually get a new apparel deal. We're rolling in with a full head of steam. We've got a bunch of new coaches. I think there's so much going on in the Cincinnati athletic department right now that the big 12 is just like, it's, it's all there. I don't think that it's necessarily been left aside. I think that there's just so many good new things to focus on that, you know, it's all kind of, like I said, happening at the same time for us. Whereas, you know, for some schools, they might be moving pretty laterally. Like this is, this is what's happening right now versus I think Cincinnati, everything's happening at the same time. Less woo more. Woo, finally. <laughs> uh, yeah, for real. <laughs> Garrett, BYU's been an independent for a while, and I, it, I'm not going to say that they are a, have been a Power 5 program, but when you're a, if, especially with football, a team that's used to playing half of your schedule being Power 5 opponents, albeit mostly Pac-12, playing SEC teams, traveling, doing all these things, they felt like this weird, like, like not, Pac, not Power 5, but not G5 kind of weird purgatory. Like, <laughs> I know BYU, long time coming. Obviously, this is a program with a lot of history across everything. But, I mean, how are the BYU fans feeling about this move? Uh, I mean, the biggest thing, it kind of feels like it's not just, you know, kind of our last decade in the wilderness. I mean, kind of Justin talked about it, you know, that it is expected. Like, in 2016, we also thought, like, you know, we're coming, it's happening. You know, BYU also had stuff ready to go. 
um, you know, like stuff scheduled and waiting, like time slots booked on BYU TV to do a press conference and the whole shebang. And even before that, you know, we've been flirting with the Big 12 since 2011, depending on who you ask, even, you know, conference realignment is very fickle and kind of hashtag sources read into what they want. You know, there's a lot of old timers that will even tell you that it was supposed to be that Baylor was supposed to get left out when the Southwest conference dissolved and BYU was supposed to get that slot. And there's probably some Houston old timers who say the same thing, right. And who knows which one came closer to fruition, but even in the nineties, there was the PAC 12 was really, or the PAC 10 at the time was really close to having a vote to expand in the late nineties and did, you know, looked at inviting BYU. So it's for us, it's been, you know, like a solid, 40 years basically in the wilderness <laughs> of waiting for this to happen and so it's really finally like it's we've known we've had a fan base that's continued to support through independence which it's really hard after you lose a couple of games and you're not really playing for much anymore besides your love of the school and you know continuing to do that and showing up and showing out and so it's it's been it's definitely been an interesting last you know 12 years of independence but we kind of finally feel like it's something that we've deserved and i think all you know three other of these programs as well deserve you know it's like what has purdue ever done what has iowa state <laughs> ever done? You know, the, the, it was wake forest ever done you know, there's Catching a lot strays. of there's a lot of p5 schools that you know it's that are kind of been the bottom feeders for a long time and then we're kind of like hey like we deserve we're better than them we can go toe-to-toe with them we're just as you know we show up just as much as they do we you know are or recruiting just as good as theirs where we could beat them, you know, every day of the week and twice on Tuesday. So it's kind of feels like it's finally this like justification of like, Hey, we're, we're recognized for what we've known that we've been. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been in the, the, uh, give them hell discord and, and, and made this comment in there. And I, I think it's appropriate that these are four schools and, and to piggyback off some of the strays you threw at some ACC and, and I hope you did some Pac-12 schools as well. These are four schools that are invested and care about college athletics. And you can't say that about every school in the Pac-12 and you, yeah. <laughs> most schools in the Pac-12, sorry. Uh, you can't say that about every school in the ACC. That's why you have such a huge divide in the ACC and why they're having turmoil. And and I think that the four schools incoming line up so much in a passion for their athletics and a desire to invest in athletics and see the value in it with the the eight big 12 schools that are going to remain that look everyone's different you're from different massively different parts of the country different philosophies in a lot of different way but i do think that is one thing that kind of ties all these schools together is they have a like mindset of we're we are in this for real we are invested in this we want to do this we want to be successful in this i think i think big 12 fans as well have really kind of united together especially since the announcement of oklahoma and texas were leaving and and you know you had plenty of people in the media Stu Mandel, uh, who were looking at every opportunity they can on social media to deride the big 12 and it just made all these fan bases even more vocal and even more unified and so like i'm thrilled for these four schools coming, not just because it's something new and exciting and the 2023 college Big 12 state football season is going to be the most insane and amazing and incredible thing of all time, but like it really does feel like we're bringing four schools in who fit. Even if they're all geographically all over the place, you get Houston, you've got Utah, you've got Orlando, you've got Cincinnati. Like It's all very different, but it all feels kind of like family already. You know, you got family members of all sorts and sizes and shapes and kinds and all over the place. But you all still get together, and it's like, okay, we're all we're all good here. I agree, I would agree with that. Now. Yep, <laughs> girls nodding in agreement. It definitely feels like everyone. There's no real. Uh, it feels like there's not even. I mean, from what I've seen on the Twitter dump, like there's no, there's no real like contention between any of the fan bases. Like it's all in good fun, and we're all banded together to point and laugh at the other conferences that are falling apart because it's not us. We've circled the wagons and we're looking out for ourselves now. And I wanted to say too, I think you make a really good point there, Philip, about how a lot of these schools, like some of them, athletics is just not their priority. Academics is. And like, look at the Pac-12. There's so many other schools that value that success much more over a football team or a basketball team. And I think the biggest thing that you're getting here is like, out of all four of these schools, you've got a heavy hitter. In at, in at least one of those, and one that wants to contend every single year, much less having all of the other peripheral programs that go alongside that, that really want to contend. And like, I think there's, you know, a sort of hunger for that too, where, you know, you look at the Big Ten, you look at the Pac 12, you look at, I, I'd argue the SEC as well, where it's, 
you've got these very top heavy programs. And I think the big 12 offers all of the new schools and the existing schools, the opportunity where everybody can compete. And realistically, I think it could be anybody's most years. Like, and that's, and that's, I think a really exciting part of this conference where a lot of teams will be able to compete that, you know, maybe don't always look at it that way, or maybe look at just being the top heavy side. Now, like for Cincinnati, we've been on the top heavy side of football for so long. If anything, it's going to suck, but it'll be nice to be kind of in the middle and wondering what your season's going to look like and not, will we end up in the New York six bowl? It's will we be able to be bowl eligible and <laughs> can we ride the highs and can we ride the lows? And what does our fan base look like in the middle of that? Because I think that's where you really find your dedicated and, you know, true fan base. And it's not just when you're Cincinnati going to the college football playoff. That's a good point. I do. Uh, it kind of leads me to one of the questions I want to ask you guys, obviously two years to prepare. And obviously every school has been preparing and investing and doing things I needed to do up until the announcement that they were joining the big 12, but you've really seen each school do different things to kickstart things even more, build off fan and alumni excitement to, to help further invest in their programs. And so I am curious, Trace, I was listening to, uh, to Adam, your co-host on Sons of UCF, ironically on Scott and Hallman podcast talking about you know, kingdom NIL and, and how that money was being spent and where they're having to look to try and shift some things around. So Trace, I want to start with UCF. Where do you, where do you feel like UCF is really sinking their teeth in financially to, to try and come in immediately and, and find success in the Big 12? Well, let me answer that by weaving back to where we were just talking about with UCF being such a young program. I mean, some 70,000 students, 300,000 alums, living alums, and an average age of the alums in the mid-30s. It's a growing fan base. There's a hunger in this fan base. They don't recognize that blue blood uh, you know, legacy. We, we, we mentioned the Purdue's and the Wake Forest. There's a hunger in the UCF fan base. But that's also a challenge for athletics and administration in that you don't have a lot of big time donors in that young fan base. So there's been a, a big effort to generate more dollars, be it from the Kingdom Collective uh, or athletics in general, a ramp up in the budget, uh, a reinvestment in facilities. You know, go back to uh, the, the commitment on the part of UCF in the early 2000s to make that decision to move out of. Uh, the then Citrus Bowl in downtown Orlando, the longtime home of UCF, and build an on-campus stadium as well, build an arena, do those things simultaneously. When we mentioned uh, our friends over in Tampa, uh, leaving them behind, they they clung to playing in the Buccaneers Stadium. They thought that was a big advantage for them. But when it came to uh, really reinvesting in the fan base and having those uh, students on campus, tailgating, alums coming back to campus, that has all led to an excitement an increase in dollars and donations that has allowed UCF to up its uh, ante in the kingdom and the collective and NIL space, but as well facilities. Long way to go, but they've energized the fan base, announcing today uh, that the uh, first home game uh, in the Big 12 already sold out, season tickets sold out a couple of months ahead of where the pace was last year. Uh, so fans are stepping up. And for UCF, that's just going to be a great thing to take more dollars from fans and invest it in athletics. Uh, and uh, you already know all of the advantages built in in Florida and in Orlando from a recruiting standpoint, a vacation destination. We talked to fans uh, from across the country looking forward to when their team plays in Orlando and extending it out for a couple of days or a week, making it into a trip. Uh, we're really excited about what the, the Big 12 means. And you can feel it uh, across the campus, across the alumni base and across Central Florida. I, I bounce house immediately moved up towards top of the, uh, of the must visit list. As far as stadiums, I'm, I'm thrilled for that one. Uh, Sam, I'll ask you the same question about Houston. Obviously they've had a lot of investments. Now uh, their primary donor for Tita seems to have other things that he may be focusing on uh, as of late, but where do you feel like Houston has really sank their money into to make sure that they're competitive day one when they get here? I think, UH has gotten a little more serious. I think it's sort of similar when Adam came on our podcast and talked about it. Like UCF has adopted NIL, but maybe at the start it was a little slow. I would say it's definitely parallels what the Cougars have done. It's gotten a little more serious in the last year or two. Landon Gosling, a former Cougar basketball player and bachelor contestant, uh, is now the he's now the NIL guy for the Cougars on the basketball side. Uh, Dana's son, Logan, who was a former backup quarterback and student assistant, now runs kind of the football side of it. So there's a more clear defined structure on how that's, being done but i would be lying if i said u of h was entering this league at the forefront of uh schools of uh, just profile in terms of nil i think the big 
thing that U of H has trotted out, and I think it's a good stat. I get why they've trotted out in the various media hits. Harry Lyles Jr. just did a pretty good thing on ESPN uh, about the Cougar-specific Big 12 transition in the lead-up to the official announcement on the first. But it's it's a good stat. The Cougars have sold more season tickets for football by a pretty good margin, which is kind of the expectation. You should be doing that with the schedule that you're bringing to TDCU, but included in that is a lot of very high-dollar premium stuff. I believe Chris Pesman, the AD, what he specifically mentioned was they built a bunch of new suites out of existing space and he sold it in like a fraction of the time that he would have three or four years ago when this was an American program. So there's definitely more interest. Some of the bigger dollar stuff there's don't think it's been public yet, but a guy who's uh, whose name is on the U of H school of music as a former MLB owner um, is apparently about to at least in some way, get back in the full case. Keenum being back in town as a Texans backup quarterback has really, I, I don't think that surprised him because he's, probably the most universally beloved U of H athlete of the last 20-ish years, but having him around in the city in front of fundraising stuff is great because he's just somebody who is so universally loved in this fan base that any ire the fan base has towards the football program, you know, seeing Case out there and having him stump for the current staff and say, hey, you need to put your dollars in this program long-term, I think is to the benefit of this program and having a good relationship with Dana, who hasn't always been on the best terms of this fan base, I think, is good. I think the big thing UH is building towards that hasn't exactly been realized yet, but I think will be very, very, very important for the long-term success of football in this league is a football operations building where U of H isn't sharing space with a number of the other sports. Basketball has one for the men's and women's program, the Guy B. Lewis Center. Uh, that's been really good. It was something Kelvin pretty much demanded when he came here eight, nine years ago. Uh, baseball has its own very nice for a college baseball program specific team facility um, over by the baseball field there. So kind of looking for a football equivalent, but obviously with the scale of football, it's a whole lot more dollars that go into that than a baseball or basketball specific facility. So that's the big thing UH is building towards, not exactly realized yet. And I think it's going to be very critical for the long-term success and even like medium and short-term success uh, of this program. Uh, shout out to uh, Jeff Hansen, who's in our comments. That would be the co-host of the Give em Hell Brigham podcast. Yes, Garrett Mustache is Big 12 ready. You can tell Garrett has invested <laughs> into that, as well as the hat, the shirt, the background. Uh, if I didn't know any better, I would say you were a Utah fan. Uh, Garrett. Yeah, the chat. <laughs> those, are, those are fighting words, aren't they? I mean, look, yes. we're all friends and family here. Are you like insult this is a family head? show, so I can't say how I feel. <laughs> Well, Garrett, how do you feel about what BYU has been doing to make sure they're ready for the Big 12 this year? It's definitely, I mean, things have definitely ramped up. Um, you know, I, BYU being a private school doesn't have to release a lot of the financial information and things, but from conversations I've had, so there's there's five other Division One schools in the state of Utah. There's three FCS schools and then Utah and Utah State. And I know that uh, contributions-wise, BYU basically, we've brought in, since the Big 12 announcement came, we've brought in what the rest of those five schools have brought in combined. Um, so that really feels like the spending has come up and the money is there. And then for a long time, kind of just being an independent is kind of like, well, yeah, you want to have a new locker room on it, you know, have nice facilities, but what is it really going to get you? Cause you still don't have a clear path to like, you know, potentially making a, the college football playoff or anything like that. So, but now there's definitely, you know, people who were waiting, um, you know, waiting on money to spend. And so I think it, you know, things haven't been announced, but rumors are swirling that I think um, we're going to see probably, you know, some type of new athletics village. The schools purchased some real estate recently near campus um, and kind of we'll see some expanded and see a lot of new athletics facilities probably across the board for pretty much every single sport. Um, we've seen the collective on the collective front, um, you know, kind of a major collective that's operating the same way a lot of the other big players are and so there's definitely for you know we're not going to go throw a bag at a player but it also will never will never be in a position where a player chooses somewhere else purely because of money you know um so it's i think we're definitely there and ready to compete off the field you know it's just a matter of the coaches and players getting the job done but we can i think there's the ceiling is lower but i also think we have a very because of the history and kind of, you know, being a church school, the kind of internal fan base that's, you know, generationally turning over that there's a very high floor. Um, I think the floor is much higher than the ceiling is low. If that makes sense. No, I think that's, I think that's a great evaluation. I think that's a great evaluation of just BYU in general uh, across the board of it's a very, very high floor there at BYU. Um, it's, it's why I think that's one of the programs or the schools that should have at least 
some immediate success when they arrive. Uh, Justin, you're last up. Um, you, you talk about Cincinnati's got a lot going on. They've got a lot of things that they're focused on. So where do you feel like the most investment's going to see Cincinnati be successful? Yeah, um, I think it's, like I said, kind of swung all over the board. Um, some of the bigger things recently, um, so we're breaking ground on the indoor practice facility for the, uh, for the football team, completely overhauling Shakely Athletic Center. Uh, that's about $134 million out the gate. That's just being dropped on the football program. And, you know, I think that's just shows commitment to that. This is a thing that Luke Fickle tried to get set up uh, for a while. And then, of course, you know, things be as they will. People move on. Uh, but we still get the benefit of having that in our back pocket. So that'll be a new thing for us. Um, again, I think a lot of the NIL talk has been really big around Cincinnati as well. Um, there's been a lot of great uh, donors putting in, you know, some pretty large chunks of cash. I think you're seeing a lot of um, overhauls. We're getting new um, for the basketball arena. We're getting new floors. We just renovated our basketball arena after some 20 years uh, back in 2019. So we're still pretty fresh on that. The football stadium was renovated in 2015. So like there's a lot of this newness that I think is able to carry over into here. But again, I think now, our biggest focus is that recruiting battle and we've got coaches that are willing to do it and willing to, you know, use the NIL collectives, use the money that's there to shell out. And I, I you can see the results very fast. Um, for example, our 2021 class was ranked 179. Uh, our 2023 class after missing the tournament for three straight years after that is 23rd. You can't tell me money's not involved in that when we're going to the big 12. Uh, of course, you know, head coaches are there as well, but I think like, they're willing to pay out. They're willing to get better compensation for these players, willing to uh, make some of these things happen and actually bolster out the talent that our programs are bringing in on the football side, on the basketball side. Um, again, we've just went and hired some new coaches with a big 12. You're going to have expectations that you're going to compete um, and try to compete in every single sport. Um, and I think, you know, there's some meddling that's happening in some of the other smaller programs, women's basketball, baseball, um, and so some of those programs, we've decided to move on to new coaches, um, getting better coaches. So investing in that side of the spectrum, too. I think, like I said, it's an it's an all over kind of thing. Um, and there's lots of new, exciting um, avenues that we're taking. Of course, uh, Cincy Light. Uh, I don't know if, if you guys are familiar with that, but Cincy Light drops on the 30th, uh, which is something that's really cool. It's an NIL partnered beer that Ryan Geist, a local brewery in Cincinnati, is launching and I don't see how that doesn't hit the ground running. I mean, it, it's a lager is America's beer. It, it, it just is. And and for Cincinnati fans, it's something they can really buy into. As you mentioned earlier, uh, Garrett, or sorry, uh, Sam had mentioned, you know, like the sidewalk fans, you don't necessarily need the person who's like, go Bearcats every single day, but it's still a way that you can contribute to that. Buy a case, $2. Those kind of things, like just those little things can really help plug into the program and get a lot of jazz going for the Big 12. That's where I think, like I said, we should be able to compete going in day one. And that is the expectation. I uh, I applaud any NIL collective that decides to do a partnership with the brewery and create <laughs> a school-specific beer that benefits your student-athletes. Uh, shout out to Cincinnati and Iowa State for that. <laughs> OSU has an official school beer with a, with a local brewery. I don't know if it has a tie to the collective or not. Uh, and then, Sam, I'm always – I'm. Is Cougar Paw actually like an official school beer with a tie to the school, or does it just happen to be like a Houston beer? I mean, I think U of H lets, lets them call it Cougar Paw, but I don't think it has a specific NAL tie, kind of like Justin was laying out for uh, UC. Well, <clears throat> there's a hint, hint, nudge, nudge. No, it's, it's, I was going to say it's, it's a good idea. If I, if, if I know you knew anyone with a uh, massive amount of brewing equipment, I would, uh, I would be, <laughs> I would be bothering them enough to annoy them. Uh, okay, so this has all been really good, but I, I want to get into some of the you know the fun questions. People always like to talk about rivalries and what you're excited for. We've got a football season I, that I keep hammering, and I will not stop hammering. It will be that people will be tired of me saying it. There's never been anything like what's about to go down in Big 12 football in 2023. There's not a single season in the Big East when you had teams coming and going. You've got old rivalries renewed. You've got last opportunities where rivalries are going to end. You've got Schools itch, itching for an opportunity to take on Goliaths like Oklahoma and Tex <laughs> Texas. <laughs> I can't say that without a cough. Uh, <laughs> you've got, like, we got Cincinnati, West Virginia. We've got, it's just, there's so much, so much to be excited about in a conference that's going to have the, I have, the best way to say this is 
the most competitive conference with the highest floor of every Power 5 conference there is. There are going to be worst-rated teams in the Pac-12, Pac-10, SEC, ACC, Big Ten. The worst team in the Big 12 is still going to be better than the worst team in every other conference. Is that something you used to be able to say? So top to bottom, absolutely competitive. Who the hell knows who's going to get to Arlington because it's never who you think it's going to be. Throw in four brand new teams. I am thrilled. I am excited. So let's just get this out of the gate. Uh, Gary, I want to start with you on this one. What is the one game in football? And then if there's any other game in any other sport that that you or you think BYU fans have circled like that, this one will be sold out. It will be insane. There will be people standing outside the stadium. This is the must-have ticket. Ooh, uh, it's probably – I mean, I think – Every game is going to be pretty packed. Uh, definitely Cincinnati just will be there just because it's the first home conference game. Um, but definitely the, the se- senior night being we're hosting Oklahoma uh, the second to last week of the season. And that game, you know, knowing that it's the only time we're going to play them in conference, you know, and being being senior night. And it's probably going to be a late kick, uh, which late late games at Lavelle are there's something different in the air. So I think that's probably, that's the big one when the schedule came out of, Ooh, we get the Sooners at home. Yeah, I, I saw, and man, I don't have, I'm not going to try and hunt down the tweet. I hate that. I can't credit the person, but somebody put out a tweet about the stat of like BYU in night games is at home has a fantastic record and they're fine. Anything like pre six o'clock central time. So night game, look out folks, just look out big 12 fans. Uh, Trace, What's the game every UCF fan has circled on the calendar? I'd like to say it was a home game, but it's really the road game at Oklahoma. Former UCF quarterback Dylan Gabriel transferred in at Oklahoma. So Knights fans want a little revenge there. Uh, I mentioned earlier the uh, first Big 12 home game, Baylor already sold out. and UCF also hosts Oklahoma State, so a lot of fans are excited about that one as well. But I'd have to say... At Oklahoma, a lot of fans planning to travel there. Uh, certainly, uh, iconic location in college sports and college football. Uh, so, I think a lot of fans have that one circled as a road trip that they want to go on and beat in Dylan Gabriel. I assume that your co-host Mike is maybe traveling to Lubbock for the game against Texas Tech, correct? That's your son. No, no. His uh, opinions about the city of Lubbock. Yeah, Mike the Roy Rogers statue. Mike is not big on traveling to Lubbock. We even had the uh, Tourism and Visitors Bureau chair from Lubbock on to talk about the many things you can do in Lubbock. Uh, there's good uh, breweries in Lubbock. I'm looking forward to being out there in uh, at the end of the season. Fair One point on our merch site, we sold a GEHB shirt that just said Lubbock sucks. With logo. <laughs> hey, but Prairie Dog Town. They've got Prairie Dog Town there. Yeah. Oh, Lubbock already taking taking shots. I just like this stuff has started long before the school. Like you couldn't even have the first game of the season. There were already rivals being talked about. And we'll talk about that. Justin, what game? I mean, I think I know. Uh, but what game do Cincinnati fans have circled on the calendar? I'm curious. What do you think it is? I mean, it's it's the conference opener. It's hosting Oklahoma. It is. <laughs> I, I wish I could say something different. I feel like we've heard a lot of Oklahoma so far, but honestly, um, you know, that's a big game for us. We really want to be able to show out first game in the big 12 and it's at home. And on top of that, it's against historically probably one of the most difficult teams to beat in the big 12. And so you're expecting that it's going to be a tough one. And, and I think the the difficult part here is that you, you uh, precede that with Eastern Kentucky at Pitt and then Miami at home who we've beat 17 straight times. So like you're not really going to get a good feel for exactly how this team performs until that game. And so it's going to be a put up or shut up type of game. And I, I think everybody's really excited for it. Um, I would assume if we can get it, don't know how that schedule is going to work out, but if that's going to be a night game, you guys can say all you want about night games. The real night games happen nip at night. Cincinnati, got to be there. If you're not, sorry, you're missing out on one of the best atmospheres in all of college football. All right, we just found our next Twitter poll is who's got the best uh, night game atmosphere of the four incoming schools. It can't uh, be beaten, I'm sorry. This is going to be fun. Um, Sam, I'm pretty sure I know which one will be your answer as well for Houston because I've got it as one of the five most anticipated conference games this year in the Big 12. Yeah, I think it's acknowledging that U of H fans are very excited for the opener against TCU, and that is I think we'd be excited regardless of who the opener was, even if it was one of the three new schools or one of the two American schools that we've seen a decent amount of the last handful of years. But the fact that is also the Big 12 opener is also a team that was just, however the game went, I mean, 
TCU was one game away from winning the whole kit and caboodle, which is probably more than a lot of us. Other than, I guess since he was two wins away, not that long ago, but they were there and they should still at least be some level of good team. So I, I think the fan base is excited about that, but I mean, it's the easiest, obvious answer. It's the probably only time. And I expect to live many other years on this earth. So this is not a statement on my mortality, but fellas, I feel very confident that I will never in my lifetime see the, not just the Cougars play the Longhorns. Cause you might see like one-offs and like we, we saw one-offs like baseball or women's basketball, or, you know, volleyball, that kind of, we played play them in volleyball in non-conference last year. Like that kind of thing could still happen, but just playing them in football period. Don't expect it. 99.9% of Trump won't see it. Uh, them playing football at TDCU stadium or whatever U of H's home stadium is in 30 or 40 years, we'll never see it again. We'll say it with absolute confidence. So obviously getting that one shot, I mean, I would say it's comparable to like Cincinnati and Ohio state for whatever reason, sharing the same league. I would say it's not the same as BYU Utah, because that's actually a regularly played game. And Once they're in the mountain West, we probably won't schedule them again. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's this, it's not just that it's this team, you know, team that I think everyone in Texas if you don't, if you are an Aggie or a Longhorn, you get asked all the time, well, who are you, an Aggie or a Longhorn? It's like, I'm, I'm not. I specifically <laughs> am not one of those two schools. Not, there are many people in this large state that are not a fan or alumnus of those institutions. So just to see that one-off of U of H playing the Longhorns in football, in our home stadium, that I that, think that sometimes the obvious answer is the right one, Philip. And I, I think that's that's the one. I'm going to give answer. That's probably why Oklahoma for us and for Cincinnati, because it's like we know they never oh, that wouldn't. That's a non-conference game that's never going to happen. No way they're going well, to yeah, Provo, it, No way they're going to Provo or Nipper. Like, like there, there's no chance that you know once all these Big Twelve teams we start to succeed and do really well that we're ever going to play these teams that end up in the SEC and never make the expanded college yeah. football playoff again. So like, I I don't I don't see how that ends up happening either. I think this is a big thing for us. We just you know have a big ticket game here. Enjoy it. I mean, none of this answers are surprising. I kind of thought it was going to be the Oklahoma and Texas. And if there's OU or Texas fans listening to this, they're going, <laughs> they're, they're rolling around loving it. But so looking at the Big 12 moving forward, because Oklahoma and Texas are in this conference for one more year, and then in 24, they will go off to the SEC to be also rans in a massive conference with a whole lot of programs that are insanely good. But moving forward, and this kind of ties to Bob Trollsby's question that he asked here in the comments, and I'll read his question, and I'll kind of pitch just the way I want this to be done, which is, which teams do you feel your fan bases have both, one, gravitated toward, and two, started to develop a rivalry with? And so I'm curious from, from you guys' side, I mean, you've got, you know, you, some of you are all familiar with each other, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, have been playing each other for a while. Uh, but of the schools remaining, the eight remaining schools, and, and amongst yourselves, that's fine, like, which fan base are you most excited to, like, rub elbows with and go face and see on a regular basis because we still don't know what the schedule is going to be like moving forward after this coming season. Could we have some established rivalries? I, I love what the big 10 did and kind of everyone has some rivalries except for Penn state for some weird reason. Some teams have one, some have two or three. I kind of hope the big 12 finds a way to make sure everyone has some sort of established rivalry game, a team that they play on a regular basis. So like if you guys had that choice, that power to say like, this is the team we want to play every single year because we hate them. We, we weirdly like them. Uh, they're fun to drink with. I got nothing more than to, to crush their bones for my bread. Like what, what are that school or schools that you are most excited to be able to, to, to build that relationship? with? I guess I could kick it off. Um, I think this is a big thing for us that I don't think it's talked about enough. Uh, revisiting the old big East days. We love a little bit of uh mountaineer action there. And like, we're really excited to rekindle that rivalry. Um, if you talk to a lot of the old and not so old heads, uh, West Virginia has been on the docket for a long time. And, and we've, we've been really excited to sort of get back in the mix there. I think Iowa state seems to have the most uh, nice, <laughs> nice side of conversations. Um, and of course, like UCF, we're always going to butt heads with that's just how that goes. I am really curious to see how this, uh, rivalry changes over time. And some people will be like, you know, I trace you have your opinion on that as well. I'm sure. But some people say, Oh, it's a rivalry. And some were like, eh, it's a rivalry. Uh, I think that's part of partly been just because we played at a high level in the same conference together for a while. Now we're moving over to a new conference. 
I'm, I'm wondering how much that rivalry is going to last once you have so many other different teams in the mix that are going to be competitive at the same, if not much higher level year in, year out. And so that I think is going to be a really interesting thing for us. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't think there's any bad blood necessarily for any teams quite yet. Uh, West Virginia's got the old bid. UCF has the fresh one. I will say this. Every West Virginia fan, the majority of them I keep talking to are like, it's not a rivalry since today. You see our record? You see the record against it's not a rivalry. Which I'm always like, that is the answer you give when something is a rivalry, and that's the only yep. answer you have for why it's not. That doesn't that doesn't equate. Also, West Virginia fans, just accept that you might have a rivalry with somebody other than Pitt and in a conference in the ACC who does not want you. Sorry. Okay. Uh Sam, what what what's your answer? Baylor. I hate their I hate their guts. They lost our number. <laughs> they lost our number after we went to the Southwest Conference. I think, but I think it also has elements of like the personal rivalry and competitive rivalry. I think what Justin described with uh, Cincy and UCF, I think it's a good competitive rivalry because those two teams were, I would say, the standard bears for football in the America for the majority of the last five, six, seven years, really, since Houston dropped off after Herman left. I think it's a competitive rivalry, but I mean, you know, you probably don't run into a lot of the, the I guess, alums. I think Baylor has elements of both. Like you, there's a good chance if you live in the greater Houston area, you know, somebody that went to Baylor, even though it's a private school, it's a pretty high enrollment private school and have a lot of people that either from the Houston area or end up in the Houston area post-grad. Um, so I think it's, you've got the personal rival elements there. And I think also just, they're a very good men's basketball program. I think Houston's been a very good men's basketball program. The team's played in the final four, final four. Don't want to talk about how that uh, went specifically for the Cougars, but I think that could be a good competitive <laughs> rival in the sense that I expect those two teams, not necessarily to be the top two. I mean, you got Kansas K state, you got a number of really good programs in this league, both for the coming year and long term. But I think it could be, could be a good competitive rivalry near the top of the big 12 men's basketball. In addition to, you know, I think having the personal elements of uh, a lot of people from both fan bases really wanting to uh, talk a specific way to the other after a football win. So <laughs> I would say Baylor's my answer on that one for the, for the long-term members. Uh, well, Trace, I'll let you go and you can respond both to Justin's statement about Cincinnati UCF and then, and then what other program you guys are ready to face off with. You know, as I mentioned, UCF just been playing football for 44 years and moving up in divisions. And so different rivalries have formed for a while. It was ECU from Conference USA into the American, certainly of late Cincinnati. You know, geographically, uh, UCF doesn't have that war on I-4 anymore that lent itself naturally to a rival. Uh, Cincinnati, certainly uh, competitive with UCF the last couple of years. So I'd say that a bit of a rivalry. I know some fans want to make Houston and UCF rivals. They've been playing a long time and there's never been a lot of hatred uh, there. There's, you know, the commonality yeah. of the space program, but not a lot of hatred in any of the sports. And so I think it's going to happen organically. I'm not rooting for anyone in particular. I, I think the fan bases, the Twitter fan bases, social media fan bases jaw at one another uh, from an Iowa state to an Oklahoma state. You know, we've gotten uh, a lot of mileage out of uh, Raz and Texas Tech. Uh, so I think it's just going to happen organically. I, I think the statement was said earlier, we don't hate anybody quite yet. You know, it's going to play itself out on football and other sports and, and being competitive. So I'm looking forward to it developing organically, uh, and uh, it might surprise who that ends up being. But uh, maybe in Iowa State, Oklahoma State in the short term, but Cincinnati, I think, uh, at least uh, carrying over from uh, the American into the Big 12 is, is where that juice will be, at least in the short term. I just want to say this real quick. I love the UCF fan base's shotgun approach when all that jazz started happening back in like probably February, March, they're just like, we're going to send out a lot of hate, a lot of noise really fast and just see what sticks. And I loved that approach. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. And the cycles on social media, what's the cyclone Larry at Iowa state. There was a lot of back and forth with him for a week. And, uh, so. I don't Apparently know. Apparently, you sent him into retirement. We all hope that he comes back soon. <laughs> like, I'm, I'll just say, to like, from the Big 12, like, that, that Iowa State and, since, and UCF's fan base has just be, built this, like, massive aggression towards each other on Twitter. And then they don't face each other in football this year. Yeah, I know. The biggest know. is the biggest miss because I need that trophy for that game to just be the Twitter icon. When it, Even after Twitter dies, that, that the, the icon will live in as the most online fan base between Iowa State and UCF. Uh, Garrett, uh, what's, what's the feeling here? Because, you know, you guys aren't going to have the rivalry with Utah anymore once the Pac-12 becomes the big the Mountain 12 or whatever it's going to be. So Yeah, 
Um, so when it first, the announcement first came out, I think a lot of fans would probably say TCU just because we did overlap for five seasons in the Mountain West, which wasn't very long, but we were both at the top end of the league and had a lot of really competitive games with them. Um, I think, so I think TCU's up there probably after, you know, in the last two years, we didn't, in 2021 and 22, we, uh, we played Baylor um, in a home and home and Baylor, you know, being kind of the other very prominently religious, I know TCU is a religious school, but kind of Baylor leans into it a bit more, right? Uh, they, Baylor sent us like a welcome gift to, you know, when we got our conference invitation and they, you know, they had a ton of people come out to Provo last year and they welcomed a lot of our fans graciously and to Waco in 2021. So I think that is probably, probably towards the top. And then I don't, of the rest, it's, you know, it's kind of similar vibe where it's, we've, we've played pretty much every other school. Um, you know, we've played all three of these schools. We played pretty much the entire American um, while we were, uh, you know, in independence. And so we had a lot of really good games with them. Um, you know, it could be maybe something with Houston since we're both the Cougars, uh, you know, Mormons love Disneyland. So maybe UCF <laughs> because they can go to Disney World. <laughs> I don't know. So it's, there's a lot of options. I think, like you said, we'll just have to let it see how it plays out. But there's, I think we, we have a lot of fans in Texas, you know, and in the, uh, DFW area. So I think just the recent history of the last two years with Baylor and, you know, the Mountain West history with TCU we had is probably with that. And, you know, even TCU, I don't know a lot of people know this, that actually Gary Patterson's kids went to BYU. So there's, there's some, there's further ties there. I'll say this. I mean, Baylor, BYU, the Dr. Pepper ball, we got that one right there. And then I feel like TCU fans do feel a certain way about BYU, even though there was just five years. And if Jamie Pollard, Iowa State Athletic Director, has his way, then Iowa State BYU will be an annual tradition. I don't know why, but that's what he's decided that needs to happen, and I think he's getting his way. Uh, uh, I want to get to know a little bit more about the schools before they get here, uh, but I do want to. No, we'll, we'll end on the fun thing. I want to ask this: Every school has their traditions. They have things that are unique about them, and I and I, I can't wait to try and get to as many of these places as possible to experience some of those. I mean, specific foods you want to eat, specific drinks, um, things that are done before games. Just what are some of the the things that define UCF as a fan base, Houston as a fan base, BYU as a fan base, Cincinnati as a fan base, both in, in game day traditions and unique things about you that fans of the other Big 12 schools should want to seek out once they come to your venues for a game this season or, or in the near future. Uh, Garrett, take it first. Uh, well, obviously you guys all talked about how you have NIL, like beers, whatever the BYU sells cookies and cream milk, which is really, really good. <laughs> there's also like root beer milk, which is very good. Um, and so there's, that's kind of like the very, uh, you know, very niche thing. Um, I think just in general, I mean, being around campus, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm a college football weirdo, but it's, you talked about how, you know, in the earlier, how like a lot of schools in the ACC and the Pac-12, like they just don't have the fan support where for me, when I'm traveling to a game, like I would honestly, like if I'm going to a game, I would rather go to Manhattan or Ames or Stillwater where it's like everything in the town revolves around the school. And it's like, that is the magic of college football, right? Is being on campus, having the on-campus stadium, kind of everyone going back home. Right. And so that's, um, you know, that's really, that's really it. And there's, you know, we have the normal things everyone do. It's tailgating is not as big as it is, as other schools. So I think a lot of that's just because usually, you know, there's people have big families and there's some kid doing something on Saturday that makes it hard to come out and go all day. And so usually showing up right at kickoff. Um, but it's definitely, it's definitely growing. And I think a lot of, you know, a lot of times when people come out it's like to a game you know utah's really pretty i mean you can see the mountains right behind me that you the view of the campus and you can head up there there's buses that run from campus up to sundance um and so you can you know you can head up and go into the mountains and get away from the entire world in about 10 minutes um and so there's just a lot of a lot of nature to appreciate around campus definitely i think with all these locations we're going to have plenty of reason to plan more than just a, a day trip for the game uh i've been to houston sam I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that's not gonna uh, endear me to the Houston fan base. I don't love Houston. It's concrete jungle in my opinion. <laughs> so uh, sell me on what? Why should I come to a game in Houston, man? I, I was gonna say, 
I would uh, co-sign if you're like Houston's hot, flat, and nine months a year. Uh, some of the most intolerable weather you will encounter this side of like Miami. And I would fully, fully agree with you. I, I, I'm somebody who moved far away from Houston, uh, even though I, is my hometown is the place where all the water is. And I love it dearly. I, I would put Houston against any American city for not just the high end of food, but for the breadth, the number of different things you can get food wise that are just going to be like one of the top food experiences you've had in your life mexican asian very european americana barbecue like you if you want to eat it you are going to find it in houston i'm not saying houston's the only place good restaurants exist but i would say so much of my trips back home i go several times a year whether it's visiting family or it's like a u of h athletic event of some kind i am like planning out the meals like okay we're gonna go here and i've just i have a joke with my significant other that we've we've been back probably at least a half dozen times in the last two years and there's still just like a, a comic comical number of restaurants that have not taken them to it and I, I just i'm just we don't have enough time to get in all the really good meals that you're going to have here I, I would also stump for houston's art and culture the incredible museum district which i i lived near for several years of my time in houston and the space center too just like I know we're not the only school with a space background here. I know you can see a lot of really cool. Not space at all. Go to Orlando, <laughs> but to, you know, I think it's. I don't think it's worth a repeat visit. I think I've gone like a few times in my twenty-something years of life living in Houston. But especially if you have kids, like to take your kids to like Space Control to see to see where a, a lot of the the work went into putting a man on the moon and putting people in space. I, I think is really cool, even if you're not like a big history buff. So I would say, I would say food culture in the space center somewhere in that order if you have a few days to do it but wouldn't uh wouldn't strenuously disagree with you philip on the on the downsides i wouldn't i wouldn't go to houston uh in july uh if i could at all possibly avoid it very good uh demeric go cougs uh it may should have been out that it's uh not uh, byu so that we have some sensitiveness there uh trace uh, since Sam just said that Houston has all the best restaurants and all the space stuff, uh, so what should I come to Orlando? <laughs> did not, did what do I experience that. at UCF? <laughs> well, before that, obviously, before the game day, it's where the world vacation. So you have not only the theme parks, but proximity to the beaches and this Kennedy Space Center. Uh, this coming Saturday, July 1st, a, uh, a Falcon 9 rocket launch, 11, 11 a.m. I think there's some of us hoping that it gets delayed to 12, 12 on Saturday. At the end of our spring game, uh, fans and players stayed to watch a rocket launch that timed out perfectly at the end of the spring game in the evening. So that was a must-see. So plenty to do in Central Florida before or after your game day experience. Game day, uh, wide open campus with an on-campus stadium, obviously. You can tailgate pretty much anywhere, obviously, other than the donor lots. But, you know, the the older alums and, and the money folks will welcome you in and share some drinks and some food. A memory mall is where the students will be. Uh, proceed at your own risk. If you're there earlier in the experience, it'll probably be a little tamer later. Uh, watch out what you're wearing uh, near, near memory wall and the students. Uh, families, uh, the uh, plaza area, there's pregame concerts, uh, snow cones, all that stuff, family-oriented, night walk into the stadium. You'll want to experience all of that. And then game day inside the bounce house. It will be rocking 45,000. Uh, it, it got its name uh, back when it opened in 2007 because the stadium, when it starts to, everybody starts jumping up and down, will start swaying a bit. Uh, there were a little bit of safety concerns early on. They reinforced some of the beams, so safety will not be an issue, but you'll feel that experience. Uh, and then there are certain things that go on throughout the year. We mentioned space and the proximity to the Space Center. For a number of years now, UCF has had a space game with very unique uh, uniforms and helmets, uh, and, and that uh, may be uh, not announced yet which game. We're not sure if it will be Houston later on in the year or another one of the, the six home games uh, in total. Uh, so space game is a big thing for uh, for UCF fans. And if uh, your team happens to be here during homecoming, the big homecoming uh, event is Spirit Splash out at the Reflecting Pond in front of the administration building uh, where thousands of students will crowd into that uh, area. And then they uh, they scramble for rubber ducks and the players are out there. And so it's uh, one of the best homecoming traditions in the country. So uh, extend your trip, come in early, enjoy beaches and theme parks. I don't know that we're the foodie city quite like Houston. Uh, we've got all uh, of the same uh, chain restaurants everywhere in the country. So I don't know if I can point to a particular food, but plenty of drink to be had on game day. And uh, I think you'll have a great experience, uh, you know, as long as your team doesn't win, right? 
All right, Justin, so other than covering everything in Skyline Chili or drinking it straight from the can, um, what, what are the Cincinnati traditions we need to be prepared for? If you've never shotgunned a can of Skyline Chili, oh, you're missing out on one of no, life's no. many wonders. Um, I, I'm just going to throw this out there. Y'all claim space, but also Neil Armstrong did teach at the University of Cincinnati for almost a decade. So I think there's a little bit of claim to space there, too. Not nearly as much. That's a joke. Anyways, um, no, Cincinnati is a fan, fantastic city uh, to just be in for a game day weekend. A lot of people love living there. Um, it, you know, for a Midwest city, we call it a very big, small city or a small, big city. Um, and it's one of those things where everything is in a very close proximity. And there's plenty to do. If you're talking on game day for football, for basketball, there's so many things to do. You're really close to downtown, so you can jump over, hang out downtown. The Banks is an awesome area. You've got surrounded there by the Red Stadiums, the Bengal Stadiums, all of that. There, there's so many options to do things downtown. But then you remove yourself and you go strictly to staying in within Clifton. The campus is beautiful. There's plenty of bars around. There's a lot of tailgating that's been happening on um, physically on campus and then just outside too. Now there's some uh, pretty cool things going down at Short Vine, um, just right up the road from campus. Um, and it's a very active environment. I think one thing that a lot of people don't understand about Cincinnati that you'll learn very quickly, which I think is the coolest part about our game day atmosphere from a basketball and football perspective, the football stadium, when you look on a map, is quite literally dead center of campus. It is a hole in the ground, a beautiful hole in the ground, that is surrounded by <laughs> campus. So people come from all four corners, all four sides of campus surrounding into the center. It is just a bouncy noise pit of joy and and game day there is so loud it's such a great experience you can get around the campus really fast and get to everything i think from like i said from going to a football game going to a basketball game fifth third is one of the best arenas in the country especially with all of the new renovations that they've just had um i, I think your game day experience is really fantastic there and then if you remove yourself from a game day experience and you want to be there for a whole weekend like i said there's so many things to do and odds on end, you probably have some kind of relative that lives in Cincinnati or the greater Cincinnati area, even if you live in like California or something. Everybody has a relative that lives in Cincinnati. It's one of, like I said, it's a very big, small town. And and so whether my sister lives in Louisville, which is not Cincinnati, uh, but close two enough. hours away, was, close enough. I was going to say, I have, I have a bunch of family like an well, hour. She, south. She's yeah. By the yeah, airport. It's, it's, yeah. So she's she's on the what, east side. So close. I, they 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 call st louis the gateway to the midwest but really it's cincinnati like everything it's the probably one of the more midwest cities you'll find but it, like i said it's very modern there's plenty of things to do there's a great street car to get you around downtown hopefully they build a line that comes up to campus as well still waiting on that um but like i said everything's really close by and there's plenty to do so uh besides that shotgun i can skyline chili and drink a cincy light beer <laughs> All right. Uh, you guys have been awesome. This show has been fantastic. I want to wrap up on this. Something just fun. Shout out to Brian Metcalf, friend of the show, for pitching this one on Twitter. Uh, he says, quote, I'd like to jump on the bandwagon of one of the new schools coming in, but I need to hear the best one-line sales pitch from each school to decide. So uh, for Brian and anyone else who's like, I need a secondary school, uh, I need each of your best one line. You got one line to sell us on why we should care and cheer for and adopt your school as a secondary fan base. Justin, let's hear it. Oh boy. Put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> the magical powers you receive from shotgunning a can of Skyline Chili <laughs> on national television. Unmatched. College football playoff, baby. Just ride the high. Sam Houston Cougar Athletics uh, can be many things but it is rarely boring it's my one-liner that's good that's good Garrett oh I think uh he answered already I did reply to him on Twitter that we shared <laughs> Daniel Bobbick with Oklahoma State so all OSU fans they can choose us uh, that's a good one I, I appreciate that and thank you uh we still we still enjoy Daniel Bobbick uh Trace Party school rocking game day atmosphere, and this will trigger some fans. 2017 national champs. <laughs> that's Skyline Chili. Day, we got 2017 Trace, national champions. Like we've got 
We've checked, uh, checked all the boxes. I love it. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. This has been absolutely fantastic. You can find every show on the network at 1012network.com. That is Sons of UCF for UCF, who also will have live shows every Thursday here on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed. Uh, Scott and Holman podcast covering Houston. You guys are doing a great job introducing all the Big 12 teams, bringing on some great guests, a lot of 1012 Network synergy. I appreciate that. Justin, Beeble the Cats. You guys are on YouTube as well, posting the show from the video format, and you can check out the podcast. And Garrett, you guys, I love the show. Jeff has a fantastic daily short episodes that he's putting up on YouTube. Three of you guys doing YouTube. We will, we will be expanding the YouTube offerings here sh- shortly. That's look fantastic. No, one, no one's look at this face. Come on, no. Come on, Sam. <laughs> we, just, have some, we have some ideas that we, we may be on the YouTubes sooner than later. Just get a cougar hat and just like the, the mascot <laughs> head and just wear that. That would be great. Uh, you guys have been fantastic. I cannot wait. Uh, we're going to be, we're going to have, Brian is in the chat. BYU wins it. There we go. We have an answer from our. our Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. I will send you a shirt. DM me your address. <laughs> uh, you guys have been great. Thank you so much. July 1 is going to be great. Beetle Media Days is going to be awesome. The season is going to be the greatest thing of all time. You're going to pick it by you the whole seat. You'll only need the edge. Can not wait. We'll be back, uh, I don't know, next week, week after. We'll see. Plenty of stuff here on YouTube. Plenty of stuff from all of our shows. Have a good night. Go Knights. Bye, everybody. Go Kooks. Go Bearcats. Podcast Network.